Welcome to the JPR Group Podcast, brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the third edition of the JPR Group Market Education Podcast. With us today, we have Ross Mayfield, that is an investment strategy analyst at Baird. He is also the holder of the Chartered Financial Analyst designation as well. Uh, Ross has been on with us for the first two, so I talked him in to uh, at least one more and hopefully uh, more to come. So uh, welcome on, Ross. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back for more. These are fun. I appreciate it. Good deal. Good deal. Well, once again, our, our team, uh, as always, appreciates the time you take out to spend with us. Uh, on this edition of the Market Education Podcast, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, and I was talking with Ross earlier, but I, I call this soft finance, but it's actually defined as behavioral finance. Uh, and for some of you, this may be a new topic. Uh, but it is very real. And most of us make these mistakes from time to time, whether it be in the financial markets or just in life in general. But I thought it'd be interesting just to to chat with Ross uh, about behavioral finance. So the first question, Ross, is what is behavioral finance? You kind of nailed it. It is the softer side of finance. I mean, for many, many years, finance was studied entirely as as a, as a science as as data as numbers um but there's a, gr- a great quote from a, a an author named morgan household that kind of sums it up and he says investing is not the study of finance it's the study of how people behave with money and if you've ever you know been a person with money or investing you know that we don't always make perfectly rational decisions it's just too emotional and so that's where this kind of new um, you know, study of finance comes in to try and explain some of that and, and give us better tools to fight those kind of things. Good deal. Uh, second question would be, so now we know what behavioral finance is, how does it differ from the typical mainstream finance? Yeah, I mean, like I said, main, typical mainstream finance, like if you went and got a, a master's in finance from Harvard, you would spend a lot of time looking at numbers with big expensive calculators and, and learning about, um, you know, expected return and standard deviation. And it's very mathy. Um, behavioral finance is much, is much softer. It incorporates skills from psychology and sociology and anthropology. It's thinking about how the human mind works and, and how we react to things that happen in the investing world or with our personal finances. So they're related but they're also in a lot of ways very different and, and can butt heads with each other at times. Nice. So let's, let's jump right into a few, you know, there's, I believe there's right around 10 structural biases in behavioral finance, and then it branches out into to more specific, but I picked three that most people can probably relate to. Um, so number one would be uh, the bias of overconfidence. Kind of explain what that is in uh, in the finance world. Of course, we've probably all done it. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of speaks for itself, right? And um, 
it, I always think about with this one, that stat, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it's like 80% of people think they're an above average driver. Well, only 50% of people can be above average drivers. So there's clearly an overconfidence going on with, with how we are behind the wheel. Um, and investing, it, it can show up in a lot of ways. I, I think one way that it's very common to show up is over trading. So making, making a lot of transactions, um, because you, you, you think you have a handle on something that's very difficult to get a handle on. Um, and of course, the more transactions, the, the more transaction costs, fees, taxes, all those things to consider. So, um, but yeah, that's basically what it is. It's, it's an overconfidence in an area where even if you're an expert, this stuff is so complex and there's so many moving pieces. Um, even the smartest people in the world are probably, you know, fall victim to this at, at times. Now, to that point, I have seen data and I want you to speak on it and it's, it's fairly well known, but the overconfidence when you look comparative to a male and a female. Well, I, I, I so I'm going to guess because I actually, I, I'm not, I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm going to guess that males tend to uh, uh, express that far more often than our female counterparts do. Would that be correct? That, that, that would be correct. Yeah. I didn't, I, I can't say I necessarily found it interesting because I, I, I think we probably all know that in, in one fashion or the other. Um, yeah, let's go to, heart heart. yeah, exactly. Let's go to the second one here, which is um, confirmation bias. Yeah, so this is, and this has probably become more of a problem in today's society because the idea of confirmation bias is whatever actually happens, you can find a way that it can confirm your prior beliefs. So in today's world, there is so much information, so much, you know, so many opinions out there that are just at our fingertips that you can find someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear. You can find someone who confirms what you think is correct, whether it's in investing or politics or pretty much any way to view the world. Um, you know, in investing, it, it, it's especially dangerous because if, if you're, you have really strong opinions and you're just, you know, kind of in this echo chamber that's telling you you're right all the time, you never really have a chance to kind of learn and grow as an investor or as, as a, a person who handles money. It's a really, really dangerous bias. And, and to me, this one, again, is maybe the, the most problematic in today's world, just because there's so many places that, that you can get that confirmation that you're looking for. It's almost it creates close-mindedness, right? Absolutely. Ab that's absolutely what it is. You, once you have an opinion, you never have to think twice about changing it or reevaluate it. Some of the best investors in the world um, reevaluate their opinions all the time. And they, when the facts change, they change their mind. And that's pretty much the only way to go through life and, you know, try to try to grow and learn and be happy. And it's, it's finance and investing, but that's, that applies to so much, I think. Good deal. All right, let's go to the uh, the last bias, which um, you and me were speaking earlier, and I've I've actually been victim to this before, uh, but it is called loss aversion. Go ahead and define yeah. what that is, and maybe some examples on you know even outside of finance where this happens. Sure. Yeah. So loss aversion is is the idea that a loss hurts more then a gain of a similar amount feels good. So in investing, this shows up where we, we hang on to our losing stocks for way longer than we should. And on the flip side, 
they've they've done studies that show people are too too quick to to take gains in stocks. So instead of letting your winners run, you see a little gain and you, you get excited and you want to take it. Whereas with our losses, I mean, you know, we we don't have to get into specific examples, but both of us have them where you just stare at a stock for years and years and years and it's not going to work. But you can't bring yourself to sell it because it would hurt too bad. Um, you know, this shows up all over the place with money it, it, in all sorts of gambling scenarios. Um, and really in, in a lot of, you know, personal ways, we kind of like, we really just hate that feeling of losing, um, so much more than we like the, the sensation of winning and, and it lasts for longer and we think of it more, it resonates more deeply. So I, is there an example you were thinking of that you want to hit on? No, no. I was, I was thinking about your, your, your stock question where you, you know, you make a mistake, you hold a loss for a long period of time, hoping that you will get back to at least breaking even. Um, and I feel like some of the loss aversion, it also, it realizes that you actually made a mistake. So instead of holding that loss for a long period of time, once you do sell it, that's confirmation that, well, yeah, that was a bad investment. Uh, so people will steer away from that, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, all these biases um, are kind of intertwined. I mean, they're all playing on that same part of the brain. Um, and so, yeah, so loss aversion, you, you don't want to confirm that you made a mistake or that you made a bad investment. So, you know, if it, it could be down 90% and you're out there looking for the one analyst or the one article who's still got a buy rating on it. And you're like, well, if he, you know, if I think it still can come back and he does too, whereas, you know, 95% of folks are like, just move on. Um, so yeah, it all, it all's intertwined and, and it all gets at that kind of more, um, I don't know, animal part of our brain that just, it, it just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work the way we need it to. Sure. Sure. We'll get to the last question here. So we've talked about all the things not to do or that we are doing that we don't know that we are doing. Um, how can an investor begin to start mitigating making those mistakes in behavioral finance? Yeah, so I guess that's the number one question, right? So the, the number one thing is, is education and being aware of it. So this podcast is a great example of you know, maybe bring to light folks who have, you know, a relationship with money that they know is kind of off, but not perfect. And, and so you say, oh, well, that's, that's classic loss aversion. I need to remedy that. Um, you know, not just because you all are financial advisors, but I think having an advisor or someone trusted who you talk through decisions with, talk through things you're doing with, with your money, because that person can be a sounding board. They may have a totally different set of biases or, or maybe able to offer a a clearer picture of finances that they're not so personally related to. So a big part of why these biases exist is because our money, we're emotional about it. We worked hard for it and, and we want to protect it and nurture it. And so having someone who can take a step back and, and give a, a more clear headed opinion, I think is really valuable. And, and in a lot of cases, a financial advisor is a great person to do that. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the, the, the key things. You got to be aware of them. And you got to actively work to battle them. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to, to have someone to talk through stuff with. Um, you know, for for me personally, like writing little notes to myself or writing things down always helps. But that's just that might just be a personal a personal one. I mean, I, I rely on my, my wife a lot to tell me when I'm being crazy with money. So maybe that's how some people can can go, you know, a partner or a friend. Sure. Right on. Well, hey, once again, Ross, um, 
told you earlier it was going to be short and sweet. We don't want to belabor anything. Um, but our team does value the time and, and the knowledge that you have to share uh, with our investors. Uh, as always, appreciate your time. Uh, as far as the listeners involved today, uh, if you do have any other additional questions, uh, please reach out to anybody on the JPR team, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You may visit our website at thejprgroup.com for more information about our team or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to speak to a financial advisor on our team, please contact our office at 270-467-9664. We hope to hear from you soon. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc., a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC.